Airing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect. Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all that you do, Father, in the ways you try to get our attention to help us out through the day that we're carrying, Father. I pray right now that we'd be able to come before you, to be in your presence, to hear from you, to acknowledge you, to worship you, and most of all, to love you. Father, we don't come with clean hands sometimes, and we come with heavy hearts and a downcast face at times, but you look for us, regardless of the shape we're in, you seek us out because you loved us first, Father, and we can always rely on the fact that you will be there, Father, not in a way to take advantage of, but a way to be relying on, to remember that you are always faithful. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. Um, for all the links, for all the things, you can find us buddywalkwithjesus.com. If you have any topics that you want to hear us discuss, cut it up about all those kinds of things, any real pressing questions, you can find us on Facebook, shoot us a message there. Um, and lastly, if you are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com So originally, in full honesty, this was going to be an entirely different episode this week, but I felt like after last week's episode... <laughs> um, there needed to be a little bit of a follow-up. Um, we've kind of fallen into this habit um, of falling into series that we do. Kind of like-minded episodes that end up stringing together or we end up doing these episodes where it's not containable to one episode. And that's kind of where we've been throughout this whole thing. And last week... Um, I got a little rowdy, and we, we may have offended some people <laughs> last week. And, and if we did, in all honesty, I do apologize. But as far as, you know, processing all of that and everything behind the scenes that, that I bring to this microphone and everything that I put into processing all of this, I'm brought back to this core direction that we keep talking about, right? And that's part of where I want to capstone this. Uh, we can talk about until we're blue in the face and list endless, endless examples of how man gets whatever, whatever it is wrong. doesn't matter what it is. You can slot anything in there. Man, at some point, is going to get it wrong. Too often, when these things are discussed, that's where the conversation lives and dies. What are people doing wrong? And that, in full honesty, guys, was last week. Last week's emphasis was on man. This week, I want to bring it back to God. I want to bring it back to the kingdom and glorify him in discussing these different things. You know, how 
Christians handle the complexities of this life, how Christians use these different mediums to be able to communicate with the world, what is fair play, what isn't, all of these things. Regardless of which side of whatever fence you're on, whether or not you're one of the people that we may have singled out last week, whether or not you just throw your hands up and don't want any part of the chaos and the noise and all of that kind of stuff, or any point in between, it is vital and absolutely necessity to be in the power and presence of God, to be in the kingdom, to be in communion and community with God. So I find myself with this desire to give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes, you know, and I want to give the benefit of the doubt to, I'm going to say, well-meaning Christians, Christians that have a desire to disseminate truth. And I think that desire is inherent in humans. I think there are many humans that have this internal sense of, I want to seek truth, I want to know truth, I want to spread truth. A um, couple of things about that. It's a wonderful thing. To have a natural desire, I've seen some of the strongest evangelists some of the most sincere kingdom people live out of this kind of place that this is just truth. It's not a matter of faith. It's just a matter of truth. And they present so in full love and compassion and all of those kinds of things. These people exist. But at the same token, there's this epidemic within Christendom that I don't think is new. So I want to, I want that that to be known. It's not like I'm, you know, a millennial thinking that this is new to my generation. I know it's not. But this epidemic of taking full truth with zero compassion and love. And and now if you're like me, you're you've experienced how this whole seeking truth thing can go wrong and the problems and you know the the issue that when people are there they don't ever think that they are there they think that they're fully away uh, away from that style of presentation um and the thing about truth is people acting in full faith right? Full security, full knowledge that they are in truth will do and justify a great many things, regardless of if they're actually in truth. You, the old saying goes that there's nothing more dangerous than a guy who has nothing to lose because he feels like he's only has everything to gain. It's the same idea. So, that's where I want to put that particular pin, okay? Yes, I've said the bad. Yes, I've said all of that. That this th that people in truth can go... That people who think that they are in truth 
can go way off the reservation, way out in left field. But instead of staying there, let's talk about that whole truth thing. Let's talk about that whole desire for truth thing, especially with Christians. Because I think that's a good thing. I think that's that that inherently is not a negative to have that desire. You know, but when we take the full reality of truth, what is truth in its full complexity, then we have to take all of it, not just the black text on a white page, not just the facts. And I know for me that this is something that I struggle with because I am so, because of my upbringing, I'm so a no-nonsense kind of person. Because, like I said, I just what I, because of my upbringing and what I've experienced, I'm such a cut-to-the-chase kind of person. And so I struggle with, you know, that's just, that's just how God made me. That's just, I'm, I just tell it how it is as Edgar likes to say. Uh, so I think that it's it's important to discuss all of this in a way that is um, helpful, that builds up the kingdom, that glorifies God and seeks to solve the problem, not just sitting there casting shade about what the problem is when you, you were talking about how people were they hold on to truth and they push truth and i think the concept of jesus said you know i am the way the truth and the life so truth was one of those aspects and the attribute or part of so there's truth that we tend to divorce from god you know, here's a fact which is true. Here's evidence which is true and all that stuff. But the whole concept in the Bible is that truth is owned by God. There is truth that is from God. And the Bible says many things using the word truth. Let every man be a liar, but God true. And when you equate God as truth, you don't wind up with only truth. You wind up with the whole aspect of God. You wind up with his justice, with his love, with his mercy, with his faithfulness. All these aspects of God come out when you start delving into him as truth. So when a person gives you, quote unquote, truth, this is what God's word said. You're in disobedience. and They're only giving you one small aspect. And as a matter of fact, it's a distortion. Because the Bible talks about how you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So there is a result of knowing truth. There is a change from knowing truth. So when we use it to, um, I want to say control, that might not be the, the best word. And I'm not sure that's entirely what you meant. But when we use it to control someone's behavior, we are using a distortion of it. Um, the truth stands on its own. Jesus, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it didn't matter if someone objected to it. It was still going to be a true statement. So it stands on its own. He stands on his own. So when we look, and, and you and I 
and everyone listening have been on the short end of the stick or the stick that has the nail on end, the less desirable side of the stick, whatever, you know, is at the end of that. So we've all been hurt and we've all been wounded. But if we, we look into it, you know, we also realize there are times that we wielded the stick. And by that, I mean, did we give a distortion of what truth is? And I know for my life, yes, I can say that. Not that I say it energetically or excited. Oh, I gave truth out um, because that kind of distortion is not good. And as you draw closer to the Lord, as you lean into his word, as you make mistakes and then realize he's telling you, hey, there's a better way. He's telling you truth. He's inviting you into him. One of the easiest ways to figure out what position you are coming from is figure out what your personal desire, what the personal desired result is of what it is that you're saying, how it is that you're engaging. Because Edgar, you bring up a, a great word. It's not great that it happens, but it's the perfect word for the situation. It's control. So often it can be pointed to these instances of humans utilizing scripture, utilizing the word of God, utilizing things that outside of how they're being presented are in fact true statements just being presented in an off way to control a particular group of people, to control a particular person, to control a particular situation. And that, you know, again, man, God, two different things. Just because man distorts it doesn't mean that it's not true at its core and, fun and foundation. So if, if the way that you are presenting this sees more of you as at stake, I guess, you know, you've got more skin in the game than God does, then something's off. Something has gone wrong. You know what I mean? And I think that's a fine line. You know what I mean? Just trying to come at this from the most human standpoint that I possibly can. Because I think that's where the conversation needs to start. Because it doesn't matter who it is that you point to. You've always got some place to point. As long as you're looking forward, you can always be pointing a particular direction at a particular person or whatever. But again, just chasing our tails around and around while this particular group is bad. Well, this particular group is wrong. Well, they got it wrong and this is how you do it. We're given a full glimpse into what it means to present the gospel in its full totality by loving, by serving, by coming alongside, by bringing gently into the kingdom. I want to use a thought experiment. If you are driving, do not close your eyes, but if you can do so, Stop, 
close your eyes and I really want you to think about this for a second. So I want you to envision two people. I want you to envision somebody who has not experienced authentic love in their life. And the, the details can be filled in. Maybe it's a foster parent that was just a byproduct of the system and got bounced around until they were old enough to go out and, and go out on their own. Maybe it was somebody with a bad upbringing and, and they just never knew what that was or, or any litany of other examples. But somebody that truly does not comprehend or understand what genuine love and relationship now I want you to imagine another person. They grew up hearing all of this. They grew up, you know, all they've known is the church stuff. That's been their whole life. So they can quote it ver verbatim, all of these kinds of things. And they go through this earth shattering thing. Enter earth shattering thing here. Maybe they lost a kid, maybe they lost a spouse, maybe they, you know, had a traumatic event happen. Both people in desperate need of relationship. They just need people to come alongside them. They need people to love on them. Neither person truly understands what that looks like. How is it that you discuss to those people? To both of those people, I want you to see both of their faces in your mind right now and you're tasked with communicating what the love of God looks like. What all of that looks like, what it means to actually be an authentic relationship. How do you communicate with that? How do you communicate with either of those people or both of those people? I think sometimes we can lose track of the face of the widow or the face of the person in need. I think we can lose touch with who is receiving our message. And in neither case, you have this person who doesn't know God, that doesn't have a relationship with God that doesn't understand that actual, authentic, no strings attached, full and complete love exists? Does he need you quoting scripture at him? Does he need, does he need you giving him the, the nice Romans road equation from A to B to C? No, I mean, Romans road is truth, yes, but my, my point goes beyond just that. It goes beyond just, here's the canned thing that we do with people that need love. On the other side of the fence, this person who doesn't know a single thing about God, are you just going to sit there and tell them that they're damned unless they say, they say a message? If they say a, say a prayer? Is that, the, is that how that works? That as soon as they say, sure, let's do it, that suddenly their problems are all going to go away. This is the stuff, right? These are these hard questions that we are forced to have to contend with if we want to be able to operate in the world as kingdom citizens. This is our job. 
and we understand what the truth behind this is if we are engaged with God in the scriptures. Read to me, there is a burden of responsibility on our shoulders that we have been given truth and that we know it, so we will be held accountable for that. I think you bring up a good point. And when you were speaking about what, and I'm going to phrase it this way, what does truth say? Well, we know that when the woman was caught in adultery, Jesus talked to the accusers. But the first thing he says to the woman is, where are your accusers? He doesn't judge her. He doesn't say you were in adultery. He doesn't say, I know what you did and what's going on. And mind you, she went through a very graphic experience. She knows the shame of it. She knows what's going on. The uh, perpetrator that was with her was not brought into this. So even further humiliation. But he goes, where are your accusers? He didn't say anything other to her about the wrongs that she's done. He says the following when she responds, you know, didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And he goes, neither do I. Go and sin no more. That's what truth says. Truth is concerned about the heart of the person, about raising them up. God, when he was rising up Jesus into the heavens, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations. That's what his instructions were. It is, and I, I like the way you put it, this prayer, and then automatically their troubles go away. Is that what the thought is? It's not. It says, go and make disciples. Well, if you go and make disciples, that's not conversion. That's not getting them to say a prayer. That is being involved and investing in their lives and helping them to replicate. In other words, it's the wheat begetting the wheat. It is not the wheat telling the tear to you know blow in the wind, which is the Holy Spirit in this picture, in this metaphor that I'm talking about. It is actually going ahead and begetting wheat. So we're supposed to replicate Christ in others. We're supposed to sow the seed of Christ in others. We're not responsible if they convert. And it's like a little bit of a, a, a take on what you said. We're responsible to show them that it is possible, that they too can do it, that they too can receive it, that they too have a choice. And it's very hard for someone to say, yeah, I would like to be like you if they see an angry person or a proud person or an arrogant person, someone who's only going with one aspect of the truth. If, if we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord, then we must do something that begets that. And we must think on the level of God for that. What would please God? If we determine that, well, he's only interested in numbers, so I'm going to save 60,000 people, and he's going to be really happy with me. You know, 60,000, yes, I'll, I'll say this prayer, doesn't equate much to God. Disciples, that's what he asked for, disciples. Go and make disciples. Make people who are wanting to know me, pursue me, and go on, and they'll go on and want to make more disciples. 
It's about a rescue. It's about a relationship. It's about so many different things. And I, you didn't say it, but I like the way it surfaces when you were talking about if we think it's all about, I want to say superficial Christianity, we've missed it. If we are content with that, we've missed it. We have to be, I don't know how to phrase this, and I'm hoping I can say this in a way. We have to be hungry to make someone, to present someone the whole ideal of God that they would want it. We have to desire that. We have to be, I, I want to say, in pain to express that, that someone else will see that and say, you know, I get it. You know, I get it. And odds are, and, and this is the way it works in my mind, which may not be a reality, odds are they'll see something that they haven't seen before and be drawn to it. Now, the Bible does say that if we lift up the Lord, men will be drawn unto him. So I have a belief, if you truly lift up the Lord, not an ideal, not in this is right and you, this is wrong and you're doing the wrong thing, not that kind of stuff, but this is who the God of the universe is. He says to you, where are your accusers? Instead of saying, you know what, you messed up, you were caught in pornography, you were caught, you know, um, stealing, you were caught this, you were caught that. The angry God syndrome or whatever you want to label it. But the God that says, you know, I'm here for you in this very moment. I want to help you. And it's a phrase that's been said, but it takes on a whole new level with God. Let me help you. So there's a big difference with, between who God is. The truth of the whole entire truth that comes with everything who God is than just a small minute aspect of getting it right. Right. And that's the, the beauty of all of this is, you know, we keep talking about this immersive experience in the spirit, living in the spirit, communing in the spirit, all of those kinds of things in the spirit kingdom, all of that. But that while by earthly standards means, um, I guess, uh, firmer guidelines, you know, being realistic to where the to where to where the guardrails are, sort of thing in comparison to maybe some other versions of of Christianity. Um, there's a freedom in that, right? There's a freedom in God giving us the guidelines to not have to go through the pitfalls and issues and heartache and creating the devastation that comes with um, engaging with these different things, you know, and, and the more that we engage in that freedom, the more Christ is being formed in us. We've talked about it. The Bible talks about the mind of Christ, that we have the mind of Christ. Let that sink in. Really internalize that. A, a particular verse that stood out to me in, in prep for um, doing this episode was John 16, 13. And I'm going to be reading out of the ESV this time. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. We, that's just one example of all of these times where the Bible talks about how we will be given truth, that we are given truth. And you had said it before, you had, you had quoted it before. It's one of the, um, it's, it's one of the most highly quoted scripture ever. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You are talking about Jesus as the embodiment of truth. That takes all of it into consideration. It's not just he was truth because he said truthful things. I'm going to say something that might not really be very popular, but I'm going to say it anyway. You can sin telling the truth. It's not just lies that are sinful. You can misrepresent the truth or mispresent the truth and be in sin. And I think that's a tough pill to swallow for some. Yeah. If, if we look at scripture, Satan spoke truth you know, in the sense that he quoted scripture, right? You know, and he definitely sinned. So it's there. Right. And, you know, I'm real curious, right? Uh, to, to bring this back to some of the things, some of the modern day versions of this, these modern day versions 20, 30 years ago might've looked entirely different, but we live in 2021 we live in current day. We all have these gimmicks in our pockets called cell phones. We're all just a click button click away from being able to communicate with a mass of people. That's just the day and time that we live in. And I'm curious if any of you guys from other parts of the world even contend with the same kind of pull that Americans have towards, well, it's my freedom. It's not a sin per se, and it's my freedom to jump on my phone and to be able to say whatever I want to say because of freedoms. And so now I'm going to go do it because it's my freedom. Well, what are you going to say? I don't know. I had a peanut butter and banana sandwich. But it's my freedom to tell people that I had a peanut butter and banana sandwich for lunch. Okay. Again, I'm going to say something that might not be overly popular, but it's still true. <laughs> Just because you have a freedom to be able to do a thing doesn't mean that you should do a thing. I'm over 21, so technically, I'm free to go buy a can of cha or to go buy a beer. Should I be going and doing all of those things? No. No, I shouldn't. But I have the freedom to do so in this country. And yes, in America, we have the ability to be able to jump on our devices and really say pretty much whatever we want, plus or minus some things. You know, yes, there are parameters, especially when you get into the whole, you know, what gets censored, what gets muffled, what gets this and that and all that kind of stuff. But, but by and large, it's not like 
the police are going to come pounding at your door because you went on a long tirade about how you think the president sucks. You know what I mean? Like, yes, that we have that ability in this country, as do other countries, to be able to be outward and open about different things on our platforms of choice. But just because it exists in the world does not mean that as Christians, we should be messing with it. And if you are the type of person that is prone to not handling the freedom of having a soapbox in front of you very well, may, maybe reconsider how much media you engage in and how much communication with the masses that you do with all of these social media platforms and all of those kinds of things. But just because we think a thing is a joke, just because we think a thing is understandable, just because we think that there's nothing wrong with this thing that we're putting out in the atmosphere, we are just as responsible for the words that we are creating and the things that we are saying to people and putting out there. You know, maybe 30 years ago it was whether or not, you know, people gathered around the water cooler and, you know, whether or not there was, how, who said what about who sort of thing. And, oh, that's just what we do. You know what I mean? I, there was no, no harm, no foul, no, nothing meant or anything like that. You know, no, you're still responsible for what you're putting out there. And today it becomes a whole lot easier because we are just a couple of keyboard strokes away from being able to do these things. We don't have to wait for the water cooler. It's interesting you mentioned, and, and, and while you're talking, it, it just really comes to the top from my mind, is with the increase in technology or the, the quote-unquote freedom of technology, we've taken a step into being careless with that freedom. And this is what I mean. I'm from the day of the rotary phone. Not so much from the day of the crank where they had to do the hurdy-gurdy with the telephone to get the, the call in, but the rotary. So what did the rotary bring? You know, the telephone itself allowed people to go ahead and um, communicate with each other. And it was a tool of use, but, you know, as much as it had good positive use, calling the doctor, you know, calling, checking up on your relatives, it allowed for gossip. You know, so now, you know, that as technology went on and, you know, a lot of times, believe it or not, believe it or not, Joe, this has actually occurred. If people misdialed on the rotary, they gave up if they kept misdialing. So what comes? The push button. Ding, 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 ding. It's so much easier not to call. So now I'm free to call somebody. I'm bored. I'm going to talk about stuff. You know, and then you wind up still. This freedom brings a lot of things. You know, it brought into party lines and it brought onto all this other stuff. You wouldn't think, looking back, that this is like the grandparent of what we're facing with the social media stuff. But there's a lot of things that we don't we take for granted that's been building up over the progression of technology. And it's sometimes not at all about portraying the truth but the convenience that we have of engaging in whatever we want to, even if it's surrounded in, in the coat of truth. So what we 
what 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 is coming up is that this idea that we don't think twice about what's in our pocket. That cell phone can allow us to do just as much good as it allows us to do as much. And I'm going to say puffing up. Oh, I'm going to post this on social media. Now, believe this, and I find this interesting, and I know it's been around for at least a decade, people posting what they're going to eat. Now, stop and think about this. You're posting this lavish meal or this kind of, and you're just sharing a moment, and you're just sharing a memory with a friend. But, you know, what about some country that comes in and it posts up, and they don't have food like this? They cannot afford, you know, you would think, okay, it's not really going to happen because they can't afford phones. It's not a big deal. We don't know what's going on in a person's mind. And you don't have to live in a third world country to be hungry, by the way. There are people who cannot afford things who have cell phones. You know, it is such an easy device right now to get. And in, in, in countries that are not as... GDP as we are, they have phones and they have good enough connections where they can see things that are going to discourage them. Even though you are just sharing a bagel sandwich, you know, with a cup of coffee, it can affect somebody else because you don't understand the context that they're coming from. So it's very easy to kind of like, and there's a, there's a way of rubbing somebody's nose in it. Not that you're doing that intentionally. You're just sharing it, but when you're thought of as the, um, I wish I, I had somebody who could tell me what the phrase is, but just an American who runs roughshod and thinks his opinion is greater than any other person on the planet. It's so, very easy so to live American. up. What was that? I said so an American. Yeah. So it's very easy to wind up pushing that outward without realizing it. And I think it bears mentioning that all too often there's this misconception when it comes to not telling the truth. You know, I was just having a conversation with my wife earlier or early last week that, you know, when kids when when my generation were teenagers and we were lost or we were going through things and all of that kind of stuff we did drugs that's that's what we did that's how we that that's how we we coped with that that was our our generation we didn't have phones in our pockets to be able to listen to the voices of somebody guiding us in a particular direction that was more of a localized sort of thing and for us, a lot of the time was you numb it away, you drink it away, all of those kinds of things. Been there, done that. Okay. And I see this new generation of kids that are lost. And they're not turning to drugs. They're turning to things like sex changes and wondering whether or not their identity, what makes up their identity. And engaging in things that are very destructive because they're right there because they because the the line is open for all manner of stuff to be able to get through there is no prerequisite that it's truth or that it's good to be able to make it through 
okay? So I think that, and, and that, trust me, trust and believe, you can mark your calendars because there's a conversation coming up about that stuff, but that's its own stuff. That's the big stuff. That's the stuff that you can very clearly point to and say, this is a growing epidemic in this world right now. But it doesn't take going to that extreme to still cause problems and mischief and destruction and hurt. It doesn't have to just be these big, large topics. It can be somebody who maybe you had a bad day or maybe you, you know, really are strongly willed about a particular thing or strongly opinionated about a particular thing, which in and of itself is not inherently wrong. You know what I mean? There are certain things about this whole thing that I get passionate about that Edgar's like, yeah, that's a thing that exists. And there are things that Edgar gets passionate about that I'm like, yeah, that's a thing that exists. That's okay. But at the end of the day, we there's, there's no buffer between us and us speaking. It's only so in so much as be, how long it takes you to find your phone. That's a problem for humans. That's a really big problem for humans. And if you disagree with me that social media isn't, you know, that kind of thing, then look look to science, my friends. Because now social media has been around long enough. <laughs> for those of you that didn't grow up with social media, how old do you suddenly feel? Which I is is me as well. I did not grow up with the with with the internet. Like I am, I am the last of that generation. So I'm not just calling you out, Edgar. Um, but we we have there's very little buffer space between us and the problem, and and we need to be wise about that. We need to be aware of that, you know, and that's that's kind of a death by a thousand cuts sort of situation you jump on and you post a meme but it was funny you just can't take a joke but it was funny okay or if you say a thing that you are super passionate about but it's a large sweeping sword the way that you said it and we've all been there so not this is not this is not about focusing on that this is about the encouragement about the whole thing okay yes the addiction source is right there for us to grab onto. But, friends, I give you the encouragement that we have something that we can turn to that if we are having problems with this ability of being able to properly handle the responsibility that comes with having this extra freedom and such, that we have the out i guess we have the ability to escape from that addictive point and it really is addictive friends it is addictive you know you you have these little micro transactions that happen in your everyday life and suddenly you take that mi that thing that is the heart of your micro transactions and actions in in th throughout the day where are you at you know what I mean? Oh, but I just keep it around to listen to my podcasts. That's all. Or whatever. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Oh, I, I have to jump in because I've never heard that excuse before. Oh, I'm just, 
I'm listening to Buddy Walk with Jesus. <laughs> no, never once have I ever heard that, and I would probably call the person a liar. <laughs> it's it's terrible, I know, but I will say this, and this is this is quite a a truth. I don't have a study for this. It's been quoted a lot of times. These are by productivity gurus. They will tell you that people reach for their cell phones because it gives them a dopamine hit. Post the latest meme, get a message return, a, a, a Facebook like, and all these other things. It's actually addictive. And so, when you're talking about that, there's a lot of truth to it. The question, is, not the question. The thing is, we don't realize that it's it's a becoming a drug of choice. In other words, I would rather post a meme about Jesus and actually share him through my life with someone. Why? Why invest when I can put it out and let the whole world see it? There's this misconception. I posted it out, so now the whole world has it. I'm reaching the gospel. I'm reaching the gospel. I'm reaching the world for the gospel. So there's this whole idea, this misconception. And and the thing is, it's all cloudy. It's all cloudy. We put it out there, and it becomes this cloudy kind of ethereal thing. But if we start to think about it. And we stop, start to follow what we're doing. We realize, or we can realize, that it's not really generating anything. Where's the conversation to a person's heart? Where's the, you know, helping the person in a thing in their life? You know, they used to be in the day where you would help your neighbor. You know, you would the kids would help mow the lawn for the neighbors, the older ladies. Who didn't have their husbands around anymore? They made sure they were taken care of. But now I'm just going to post a meme, and she'll see it because she has a phone. Everyone has a phone. So there's that disconnect from society, and I, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like it's trite or it's the value of human, and I'm going to say human touch, relationship. Is priceless because that's how God made us to be in relationship, and these things that we think are kinds of human interaction are not. The real essence of a human interaction will not be found in a meme. I'm a firm believer in this, and someone can prove me wrong on it. I I really would love to see that one because I can't see it. I really can't. Um, but. Joe and I got to the relationship we had because we had human interaction. We had discussions where we talked about life. We talked about the hardships. We talked about the reality of scripture. We talked about the reality of needing scripture, but needing the Holy Spirit indwelling in us and bringing to life that scripture. A meme will not do that for you. A meme is one single thought and sometimes taken out of context. Um, there is a great humanity in the divine, and by the divine, I mean the Lord. He created humans to have relationship. He is relationship because he's triune, and we see this in John 17. We see the beauty of the Trinity in John 17. Read it slowly. I'm not gonna. What is it? Do a spoiler on that. I'm not gonna give you my take on it. Maybe one day. I, I fell in love with that scripture because I could hear, as though I were there, Jesus is telling the Father in love how much He loved Him. 
and how much he wanted us to love each other and how he saw us in the future at that moment in time. It's just such a beautiful thing. And I know I said I wasn't going to give spoilers and I apologize, but delve into it. A meme will not replace that. Social media will not replace that. And we're told that we give, we're to give account for every idle word we speak. And sometimes we think, well, I didn't say it. I just put it in a meme. But if you think about speak means communicate and memes are communicating, would you be so quick to say, yeah, that was a good one. I'm going to let it out. Or would you say, you know what? That's not going to please the Lord. So there's a whole big difference when you think of in relationship. And I know there are people that are hurting who are listening, who are hungry for relationship. And they want relationship with God. And God says the answer to relationship with him is through us. So we have to be willing to become that relationship of God to the people. Be willing to get dirty. Sometimes it's physical dirt. You know, you're going to a, a place where it's dirty. You're going to work with farmers. You're going to help out on the farm. You've never done farming. You're going to help plant something just to be in relationship with the person you want to, that God has put in your life. You know, you're going to go into many places. You know, there was a big thing when I was growing up of going to prisons and going to the uh, Bowery Missions, which was like a skid road um, church that would bring in alcoholics and people who were homeless and they would have them sit through a sermon and then they would feed them. All they had to do was sit through and, and then they would get a nice meal and we would help serve And as a church. We came in there and somebody would speak and share about God in our own personal kind of way. It wasn't like a, the pastor doing it. So these kinds of things are not, uh, I don't hear them spoken about as much. The We're investing into the community is so important. We have taken technology and created distance where we don't even realize that we're not having that community. You cannot have, well, it is very hard to, to I wanna say repeat in digital form, the sense of community you get in physical form. It just doesn't happen. I don't see it happening. Again, I could be wrong. Um, mind you, there are people who are great at phone conversations. There are people who are great at the FaceTime. I don't think I'm one of those. Um, for whatever reason, but community is something we all understand. And now we give our children tablets. We're teaching them distance. There was a study, and you could probably still find this on the internet, where, and it was, if I recall it properly, because I heard it many decades ago, the nurses would feed the babies, change the babies, and do whatever the baby needed, except hold them, talk to them, love on them. And some of those babies died. There is a situation that the whole humanity of us cries out, cries out for that connection. You know, how many people have become irreparably harmed because they did not have that communication, that contact, I've always felt, right or wrong, that fathers were very important, no matter the mistakes you made. 
to be involved in their children's life. And the Bible tells us that there's a way that seems right to a father in correcting their children. They try to do the best they can. Now, there are some real fathers out there who are really not good. And I understand that. But on the whole, fathers try to take care and they mess up. But now we have a whole society or a whole generation that's grown up without fathers in the home. And has that helped society or made it worse? Joe, you were talking about children who are at a loss for identity and how they're hurting inside and how there's this breeding. Let me breed in you discontent. And this comes out from the culture, this, this weird culture that says you have to be discontented with those around you. You cannot fully embrace them. We need to keep you separated so that you're distinct, you're unique. You know, you are who you are. And this is the popular one is you do you, you live your truth. Again, we throw truth out there. So what happens to a coach like that? That culture, I, in my mind, collapses because there's nothing to hold it up. It's, it's not even a house of cards. Right. It's like twigs trying to stand up without any support. And I think that that's regardless of circumstance. I don't think that's like a, this particular group of people collapses without that. I think when you have thrown out the necessity for solid truth and you just accept individualized truth or just accept a buffet style of different takes and different, this is just this person's translation of truth. You are inviting very serious problems. And we are seeing this whole generation now. You know, yeah, there are some people that make the argument that this whole thing about people not being content with who they are or feeling like they like something's not right or they were born wrong or born in the wrong body or this or that, that this is just, we live in a time that's more accepting for people to come forward and that this isn't like a new problem. And while I'm not gonna sit here and say that I think that it's necessarily a new problem, the more that you look for a thing, the more you're gonna find a thing. And if a particular group has their arms out more readily to the lost, then guys, the lost are gonna go there. That's just the gimmick. That's just the truth of it. So it shouldn't be a huge surprise that we're seeing what we're seeing. But the problem is, is it's not just sitting there on a holy perch. I saw somebody the other day post, how am I, how am I supposed to communicate the gospel without arguing? Easily, my guy, easily. And if, and, and, and if you're listening, I'm not trying to single you out. And if you honestly have questions, I know that you know how to get in touch with us. So please do. But we are given the world will never cease to give us a platform to be able to bolster ourselves from 
in full faith turn to God and away from another opportunity to bolster yourself. And if you have to question whether or not you are in a situation where you are bolstering yourself, there's a very strong likelihood that that's exactly where you're at, but ask God about it. Talk to God about it. Engage God about it. You know, are we saying that suddenly your burning bush is going to pop out in front of you and you're going to hear the big booming voice of God? No, no. But we serve a God that does not seek to hold back from us, that, is, that will bestow on us full truth. So you best believe that if you come looking for answers, if you come looking for wisdom, God will meet you where you're at. That is the history of the gospel. That is the Bible, folks. Is God continuously meeting his broken creation, his sinful, the, the, the sinful creatures where they're at and loving them even when they don't deserve it? So that's where I leave this, you know, and, and I and I ask for grace for those of you that maybe I ruffled some feathers and all of this kind of stuff. You know, I'm keeping that for you guys to listen to because it's it is messy and I want to showcase the fact that wrestling with this stuff is okay. Really unpacking this stuff and feeling a thing about a thing, that's okay. Um, maybe, maybe don't take my, uh, my lead and jump on the microphone for a whole bunch of people to listen to, but on jokes aside, God encourages for us to wrestle with this stuff, for us to engage with him and to really, um, to, to, to really explore the dimensions of the life that we are called into and figure out what exactly that looks like we can push forward the kingdom that is our job and the more of us that will say to this to this thing that will speak to this that are willing and brave enough to be able to put lyrics to our struggles to be able to put lyrics to how we process to be able to put lyrics to this complicated world without trying to hand wave any of it the further that we're going to get that is exactly what is needed, authenticity. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence, Father. And I thank you that though life may be messy and we may make it more of a mess than we intended, we can come to you, Father, and you redeem any situation, any situation. No matter how it tears our heart, Father, it first tears yours. I thank you that not only do you care for us, you also give us example. You show us what perfect relationship is and you encourage us to pursue that example. Father, I thank you for each and every listener. They're so wonderful in your eyes that you would bless them with more of your presence than they could ever imagine, that they would see the rightness of you and the way that you adore them, that you call them to be holy and to give of themselves for a dying world. In Jesus' name, amen.